podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Feeling stuck in your current job? Looking for a career pivot? Are you a proven leader looking to step up? The University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business prepares students to meet challenges, solve problems, and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy. With MBA and MS programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more today at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired. Fearless. Unstoppable. I'm very well, Laura. Yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. Jim Orr, how you doing? Yeah, just going over COVID at the moment, but uh, <laughs> getting there. Happy New Year, Laura. Happy New Year, Tony. Happy New Year to Happy New Year. everyone yeah, else I'm... looking at an axiom. I always <laughs> wonder when it's too late to keep saying that. but I It's never too late, just keep first... saying that. It's never September. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first September week, the ten. Point, isn't it? First week, okay, it's acceptable. September the I, I, I got, yeah. I got some decent time off over the festive period and felt very guilty going back to work on the fifth of January, saying Happy New Year to a bunch of folk that had already been working for four days before me. But when you're retired, you can say Happy New Year all year. That's. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, all these well, people it's... say it's really weird between Christmas and New Year. That's retiral. That's what all the time. <laughs> just... What is it? Who are we? <laughs> it's just a perpetual That's Christmas, it. New Christmas. Year week. It's I've festive season. Of, yeah, I've got a lot of years before that, Jim. So cheers for that. Well, <laughs> oh, you'll love it when it comes. It's good. <laughs> I digress. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> well, it's good to see you, and it's good to see everybody in the chat. Thanks for joining us today. Um, I did wonder, Tony, about what we were going to talk about, and obviously we will get to the 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 guys who have come in. Uh, or new Japanese stars I actually contemplated wearing my Japan shirt today because I now can't decide whose name to get in the back <laughs> um, but I thought we would start today with who's heading for the exit door first yeah. being uh, young Ewan Henderson now I've always been a fan of Ewan Henderson but I think it's fair to say he was at a point in his career where uh, backing himself to move on for, for a chance at first team football was a was a, a good option for him so Couple of questions for you. Do you think it's a do you think it's a wise decision by Celtic to let him go? And then secondly for him, do you think it's a good move for him? Uh, okay, we'll take the first one first. Uh, we will find in the fullness of time if it's a wise move by Celtic, but I think at this moment in time the manager can't guarantee him a game of football. And mm. had that chat with him. He maybe doesn't see where he fits in. That's not, not a a slight on his ability, 
there's just better players at the club at the minute and he might play bit parts like he did against Betis, all that kind of stuff. But I think uh, Ewan Henderson for progression wants to play regular first-team football and he's following the same road as his brother who when, went to Hibs, won the Scottish Cup and didn't do too, too badly after that. Went to Italy and impressed as well. So good luck to him. You know, a lot of people say it's another young player, Celtic are letting go, you know, and promising young player. And as I say, time will tell if if Celtic do that decision or not. But I think at this moment in time, you trust the manager, don't you? And uh, he's thinking. And I also think as well that, uh, what was the second part of the question? How do you think he's going to manage? Is it a good move for him, do you think? Getting, getting the hips. I think any footballer wants to play football, Laura. You don't want mm-hmm. to stands and good on him for taking it and not seeing it as a, a step down or a step sideways. I think this young boy wants to play football and the, the bits that he's played for Celtic, he has impressed and he's did really well and I think all the Celtic supporters will wish him all the best and uh, I think he's in safe hands with Sean Maloney because I think Sean Maloney's an up-and-coming young football manager and could be a right good one in the making. So I think uh, he goes with everybody's blessing because he didn't do too much wrong when he played for Celtic's first team and a lot of Celtic supporters might want to see more of him. But I think the direction that we're going under Ange at the minute tells you that it's just not not possible for Ange to guarantee him first team football, which is why he's decided to let him leave the club. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's fair, fair to say. Jim, your thoughts on it, like... Uh... It was one of those ones I think it hit me with a bit of disappointment to see him going. Not that I thought he had a realistic chance of, of really getting into the first team, but what was your thoughts when you saw he'd made the move, both you know, in terms of what it cost Celtic and, and what Hibs are gaining from it? I think what you just said there, Laura, hits a nail on the head in terms of you don't see him come into the team. I, my understanding is there's something like 35 uh, players in the first team squad. So you have to draw a line somewhere. And I think... Uh, I think his fans, I think, we tend to be quite simplistic. Sign him, sign him, sign him, sign him, sign him. Money doesn't matter. It's okay. Don't let him go. Don't let him go. Don't let him go. So <laughs> you have to draw a line. So what's the number? You know, I don't know what the number is, but I'd have thought 35 is too many. So what is the number 25 and have some people on loan or whatever it is? I mean, I think I think luck plays a huge part in football like it is in life. And uh, it's about giving you a chance. And obviously we've... Spoken with Mikey Johnson in the past, but I think I think this is similar to Mikey Johnson, even though he's had much, much less game time than Mikey Johnson. And I think it's just unfortunate. It's Celtic, every game's a must-win game, really. And I think it's hard to bring a young guy in and must-win games. And I think if you look back on it, when when we're going for nine in a row, if COVID hadn't happened, I think we'd have won the league pretty early. We'd have maybe had maybe half a dozen games that didn't mean anything. And I thought that would have been the time to see a Ewan Henderson, a Mikey Johnson, a Karamoko, Dembele, Klamala, whoever it was. So that didn't happen, didn't get the chance. Then went into the going for 10 in a row season. So you're never going to give young guys a game then. Then when it doesn't, <laughs> then when we don't win the 10 and we've got about 10, 12 games, it don't matter. John Kennedy obviously didn't fancy him playing either. So I think, I think he had to go from a Celtic point of view. I think that's just the way it goes in football, that it's quite a ruthless business. I don't think there's any room for sentiment. Uh, uh, he's never been a standout when mm-hmm. he's played. Uh, and I think it's Tony says that you have to trust in Ange. Ange sees the guy in training every single day. If he's good enough, he'd be in the team. Uh, so you don't, I mean, for anyone to play for Celtic's first team, they must be a very good player. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when you read comments about people, this guy's a dud. Not, nonsense, you know. He's obviously a very, very good player. And under different circumstances, uh, he could have been a regular Celtic player. But hey-ho, that's just luck and that's the way it goes. And with the squad of 35, I think you have to draw a line. And if that line's at, say, 26-27, is he the best 26-27? Obviously, Ange doesn't think so. Uh, from the lad's point of view, I think it's a brilliant move to go to Hibs if he's getting first-team football, as Tony said, his brother. Didn't do him any harm playing at Hibs. Uh, Hibs are one of the better teams in the country. I think it'd be different if he went to uh, Livingston or St. Johnson or something like that. So Hibs is a good team. They should be competing. Uh, hopefully he gets the game time. And hopefully he goes on to have a good career. And uh, I think everyone at Celtic would wish him well when it comes. And also, I think it's good we're loaning players out to other SPFL teams. Because, mm. you know, if we're thinking of bringing people back, like I'm, I'm sure he wants to add Shaw, that they've had some games at a level we want them to play at. Plus, it might maybe do a wee bit of damage to our, our big rivals, possibly. So, yeah, I think it's all good. Yeah, nothing to be to, to, to get too down about about the Ewan Henderson move. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. And Tony, I think what Jim says there is right. <coughs> it, it's it's about a, it's a numbers game at the end of the day, and and having too many uh, in the squad. Is um is going to be detrimental. We've seen what happens elsewhere if you don't manage your finances properly and, and appropriately. Um, but I think to bring another point into that as well is what's encouraging about it is we're not getting rid of, you know, a left back when we still need left backs. We're not getting rid of um a centre back when we still need centre backs. We're getting rid of a young guy who, while he showed potential, while he was, you know. <laughs> probably could have been given a chance uh, to, to progress into the Celtic team. There's no doubt that during this transfer window, we've made upgrades in the positions he would have been challenging for. Do you think that's a fair statement? Of course it is. And let's be honest, we are. this window is always going to be important. There's just a different feel to it. You know, the way Celtic have conducted their early bit of business with the three Japanese players as well. We are now fine-tuning the squad where we will have a starting eleven. It's as strong as we can get it, and a substitutes bench, which is strong as well. We've not had that. Now Angie's starting to make inroads in that, and he's asked clearly asked to bring in players, and then he's clearly looked around. Jim said it there, like you know, the, the manager does watch these players in training, so we're now starting to do what big clubs should do: get rid of players that, whilst they might be good players, they're only going to be bit part players or fringe players or no play any part at all. So you have to look to get them off the wage bill if you're going to bring in healthy competition for places in every position or you want the strongest 11 possible and the strongest bench that you can have at any given time. And this is what Andy's doing now. It was always We always said it was going to be a one, two, three window thing. That, no, this is the second phase, if you want to call it that of the development or the building of the beautiful house that he keeps, that he, he's spoken about in the past. And I'm like, Jim, I, I'm not distraught that Henderson's leaving. I'm not distraught that Shaw's been sent on loan to another uh, Scottish Premiership club because in the eventuality that you do bring them back, they'll know the terrain, they'll know, the, they'll know where they're heading, they'll know all the grounds that they're going to be playing at. I think the likes of Shaw is going to work in a sense that Ryan Christie went to Aberdeen, became a star, came back and then made an impact at Celtic. Ayer went to Kilmarnock, came back and made an impact. You know, and Sorrow, Sorrow's just, uh, you know, for me, Sorrow just wasn't going to cut it as a Celtic player. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, made an initial start, you know, decent start, showing a wee bit bright. Everybody get kind of carried away, but I trust the manager implicitly now. And he is a numbers game, and, and it is a ruthless business, and he's and good on him for being ruthless, ruthless and not being sentimental. He's turning around and saying to guys, it's not going to happen here. I think it'd be better if you go elsewhere and look for first-team football or whatever, because I want to work with a tight, Jim said, don't know the number, 26-27, but I want a strong 26-27. So when you rotate that squad, you're bringing in guys who are just as good as the guy that are coming into the place. I think that's what Andy's working towards. Yeah, I think that I think that's entirely right. Um, I think it's nothing to... personal. It's just business at oh. the end of the day. And what I've said before is that if you're a good manager, you're looking at every single player in your first eleven and want to bring in somebody better. And that goes for the whole squad. So you want the best, as we said, 25, 26, 27 players possible. Do we have that just now? Chances are we don't. So that's Angie's job to try and go out and do that. And I think behind the scenes, I think Angie's pretty much a hard man behind the scenes. I think when you see in front of the camera, he's like, he's like a cuddly dad figure behind the scenes. He won't, he won't mess about. He won't kind of like stand for any nonsense. So I don't think it's a personal thing. It's in terms of we draw a line and, and, and you and I think just doesn't make the cut. Jim, I think he's single-minded and he's focused and he's driven, isn't oh, he? Oh, aye, aye. You know, you can just laser. Definitely. Yeah. As you say, and I'm not saying in front of the cameras it's an act, but it's a different angle you'll see in the dressing room to the one that presents himself, you know, in front of the TV cameras, the media. You can see it in his in his eyes at times. You think, oh, oh, oh <laughs> don't mess with him. He's he's oh. I've tried to jump off, and he'll sort you out. Yeah, I tried to deliberately avoid the mate or the, the kind mates. of Walter Smith Aye. stare, you know, because I just you crumble if that happens. Unless you're Declan, of course. Unless you're Declan, you're crazy battles. Declan's a stalker, isn't he? Ah, he's he's stalker, oh, Declan's that. getting the positive, mate, these days, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, of course, aye. Aye, you know, so. He's his wee mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jim, I'm going to pose this question to you. It's probably a difficult one, but I know, I know I like giving you the difficult ones. You and Boy Martin on YouTube's commented, and thanks everybody for commenting. Um, guys, do you think our board are finally getting things right? Credit where it's due, but they need to connect with the fans more and be more open. It's an interesting question, I think, because um, I think we've all been very critical and as you Jim have said yourself you know it's very easy to, to forget these things when things are going well on the pitch how much do you think of these signings coming in that look like they might be the right way to go the players going out how much of that is down to a change in attitude do you think from the board or are they being forced into these changes of attitude by the manager do you think first thing to you know in Axom, thought it was very good. Well done, that man. Uh, the board, uh, in an ideal world, you wouldn't know who's on the board. Mm-hmm. You know, so in the one hand, if people are saying, well, this guy, you know, Nicholson, Nicholson, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Went to sleep there for a second. Uh, <laughs> Michael Nicholson, is it? Michael, yeah, Michael Nicholson. Michael uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, some people are saying, well, you know, he should be a bit more visible. No, he shouldn't. Just stay in the background. Out the road, and the fans want some money for players, try and get the money for them. And that'll be the proof in the pudding. Uh, you don't really want to hear about people on the board. You want to hear about Ange and the team playing well and moving forward. Uh, Ange made the point after the first transfer window that maybe he wasn't forceful enough. I think over the last few months, he's possibly been forceful enough. And he speaks very highly of Michael Nicholson as well. Mm. So while, we, while it's dead easy to, to talk about the board and its totality, Again, 
we don't know what the board actually does, and it's you know, uh, but Michael Nicholson is meant to be the kind of head kiddie on the board, the main uh, contact with Ange. So to have got the three Japanese signings in before the first of January was astonishing. I think everyone's astonished by that. So mm. I think it's kind of early to judge or to try and answer the question you've just posed there. So see, avoiding it. And uh, <laughs> I think we'll see where we are come the end of the transfer window. And I think if we come at the end of the transfer window feeling pretty good, then I think that has to reflect positively on Michael Nicholson. Uh, and as you as as you and then said there, I think you have to give them credit mm. where it's due. You know, if we ended up getting to the last day of the transfer window in a similar position to the previous years where we were scrambling about, then you would have to have a go at them. But I think getting the three Japanese guys in pretty quickly. And think of, think about transfers, they're incredibly complex things. And I think as fans, again, we have a very simplistic view. I mean, there's all this hoo-ha uh, last week about Nathan Patterson and how much he went for and all this kind of stuff. And, and they are very complex. You know, how much money is up front and is it, depending on how many games you play, already qualify for the Champions League and all this kind of stuff. So it's a very complex issue. You don't just go out and sign someone. And it's not Ange that would doing that. That's where Michael Nicholson comes in, I assume. And his legal background, you know, to make sure all these things are kind of tied up. And you're talking, uh, we were you know, talking before about books, before we came on there, I think. Mm. Uh, Jock Brown's books, fascinating. All the things he had to do behind the scenes to get the players he had to get. And from a fan's point of view, you think, well, we just went to sign Paul Lambert, good, without knowing. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. How complex that was and how many things were involved in kind of doing that. So hats off to Michael Nicholson for getting the guys in, make sure the money's there. Again, you mentioned earlier, Laura, about money. You have to be careful with the money. And I'm sure we'll come on to things like Jota and Carter Vickers and all that. You can't just keep spending, spending, spending money because, you know, liquidation awaits if you do things like that. So you have to be careful with the money. Michael Nicholson has to balance the books. Uh, we're still trying to go over COVID. It's still very much there. Uh, who knows? This could go on and play in front of 500 people. That'll have a serious effect. So... You have to balance the books at the end of the day. If you don't balance the books, you're in trouble. So that's his main focus. 
However, Angie's all about getting guys on the park. But Angie will understand that as well. And that I've been encouraged by the fact that Angie said good things about Michael Nicholson. He doesn't have to he didn't have to say good things. Mm-hmm. But he did say good things. And he maybe didn't say that many good things about Don Mackay. So who knows what's going on in the background? Uh, so but to to, to to answer the question that you imposed there, I think the fact we brought these guys in so early, I think that bodes well for the future. Yeah, I think it does bode well for the future. Tony, it's a, it's a difficult thing to, <clears throat> to judge, I think, as Jim says. We don't really know what goes on in the background, but you can't help but feel there has been a change in attitude, whether it's been Ange that's brought it round or, or whatever. You know, people say we're getting too excited about the new signings and things like that. I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong, I've been on the YouTube clips like everybody else, but I think what's excited me about it is, as Jim says, getting them in early because you know then that you give them the best chance to succeed. They're going to have, okay, not a pre-season or anything like it, but they're going to have a few weeks to bed in and get get used to their surroundings before we throw them into the melting pot. Laura, we brought them in and hugged Monet. <laughs> the chance of one they hadn't even opened. And Celtic brought in three Japanese players. When was the last time Celtic did any kind of ruthless transfer business like that? It's just felt different since Ange came. Since mm. it goes more towards it, Jim said, maybe I wasn't close well enough. You know, there's been a real sea change in the way that, and I think Ange is grasping the nettle here and thinking, <clears throat> we're building for the Champions League, whether it be straight through or the qualifiers, he's assemb- trying to assemble a team that is good for both, you know, to go straight in and compete or to at least be fiercely competitive in the qualifiers, which Celtic have never did in the January. So I think this is a, a real kind of mindset <coughs> well. And, and fair play to Michael Nicholson, I agree with Jim, he should be a silent partner and stump up the door when he has to, but be prudent with it. So it's a good start. It's a really exciting start. I think the fans have to say, hat tip to him. Keep it coming if you can, but within reason, as Jim says. See if Celtic do two things in this transfer window, and but they don't have to because they've got the options to buy at the end of the season. See if they could secure Jota and Carter Vickers on mm-hmm. terms of I think the fans would be delighted with that, and they would be delighted with Nicholson's part and Angie's part in it. You know, because as Jim says, you can't just go about saying this and that and that. You know what I mean? But see if they get those two players in in January. No pressing necessity for it. I think the Celtic fans would turn around and say that's a decent window that's a, and, and got some players out that they want uh, to cut adrift and I think you would be well entitled to say great, well done it's been a right good start for Michael Nicholson and you have to give credit where it's due but there just seems a sea change and a mentality change in the way Celtic are doing business in January and I can only assume that Angie's played a large part in that because he's asked for those three Japanese players. They've been, they've been uh, signposted for months. They've been rumoured to be coming for months. And then all of a sudden, in one day, give the Celtic fans a great start to the Happy New Year. There's a real feel-good factor at Celtic just now. Real kind of spirit coursing through and you know, good news week kind of thing every day. So keep it going. I think also I just, just, to, just to finish the, that, that point, I think also it's very complex. Trying to get rid of players as well. You know, people again, dead simplicity. Well, just get rid of it. Just get rid of Barca's, and that's where Michael Nicholson comes in again. You know, if you if you want rid of somebody, how much are you prepared to lose 
on those players? Do those players want to go? Do they want to take wage cuts? Blah, blah, blah. So, you know, Michael Nicholson plays a kind of key part in all this, but as long as he does it behind the scenes, uh, we'll all be happy with that. Just to, just to pick up on what Tony said as well, Jim, um, and, and you kind of touched on it earlier about the, the balance between spending and, and, and you know, watching your... Watching your money. What is your position on Jota and Carter Vickers? I mean, I assume you would, like most Celtic fans, would love to see them sign permanently. But do you think, you know, taking everything into consideration, that that it would be a wise move to splash the cash on them now? I always look for value for money, as opposed to talking about the money thing. You know, people will say six million quid is a good deal. Is it? Is it? Is it good value for money? I don't know. I think I think the both been very, very good this season. Uh, if we got them for nothing, sign them tomorrow. If we got them for three, sign them tomorrow with six. The six pushing it a wee bit. Only Michael Nicholson will know the answer to that question. And the thing about value for money, I think Carter Vickers has been very, very solid this year. Very dependable guy. Uh, he is your kind of seven or eight out of ten every single game. But I think we need a dominant centre-half. We need a big centre-half, and I think he's a wee bit short in terms of that. I think we need somebody who can dominate at both ends of the pitch. Uh, one of the things that we've noticed this season that we don't do very well from corner kicks. Mm. So Carter Vickers hasn't scored, to my knowledge, I don't think he scored a goal with his head from a corner kick. You'd be looking for your centre-half to maybe chip in with, by this stage of the season, three, four goals maybe, six, seven goals by the end of the season maybe. Hasn't done that. Why has he not done that? I don't think it's maybe that that dominant in the year. And I think in the league that we are in, given our major rivals, a lot of this season may just come down to set pieces. And that's how we lost the last Glasgow derby. That's my concern about the next one. So do you say for £6 million, Carter Vickers is good value for money? I don't know, to be honest. I don't know. Could you get better value for £6 million? I think the answer to that is yes. Who they are, I don't know. But from the Carter Vickers' point of view, he's been very solid very dependable, he's a young guy, he's got resale value. I think he ticks a lot of boxes to be willing to spend £6 million. So so for me, I'd like to sign him. I don't know whether £6 million is the right number or not. Yota, because Yota's an attacking player, I think you're a bit more, I'd be a bit more inclined to take a risk in spending £6 million on Yota rather than Carter Vickers. Could you get better value elsewhere? Of course you could. Who are they? Don't know. It's not my job. <laughs> That's Michael Nicholson's job to know this kind of stuff. Because I think one of the guys who's been, kind of, I think, much maligned this year is Carl Stalfelt. And I think he's been okay. I think mm-hmm. he's been a lot of good games. But the thing is, if, 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 you're a, if you're a forward, you could miss nine chances and score one goal and you're a hero. If you're a defender, you could put nine great tackles and make one mistake and you lose the game and you're the, you're the villain. Mm-hmm. And that's happened with Starfield this season where there's been some games he's made bad mistakes and we've lost goals. And then people will comment things like, he should never kick another ball and all this sort of stuff. And I said at the time that we signed Starfield, he cost four and a half million. Could we have got better value somewhere else? I think we could have. I still think we could have got better value for four and a half million pounds. So, so I think you've always got to look at this stuff as, as if this was your money and you were going to spend your money, it's dead easy to say you should, you should spend your money, but if it's your own money and you were in charge of Celtic, you have to be careful with the money. For me, Yota for six million, I think I would say yes. Carter Vickers, I'm not 100 percent sure. I think we need that dominant centre half. If Julian comes back and becomes that dominant centre half, then we've got the dominant centre half. If he doesn't, 
I think we need that dominant centre-half. And if you don't have a lot of money, then I think we'd be better looking for a more dominant centre-half. But the thing, <laughs> the question people never get asked, really, is that if you said, do you want to sign Carter Vickers and Yota, the answer to that is yes. I'll pose you a different question. If you don't want to sign one of them, who would you sign? Oh, Tony, I'll put that to you first. And uh, why? Who would you go for? And why? That's a no-brainer. You'd sign Jota. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. But I think you've been a bit harsh. I think for 12, huh? 12 million for the pair, I actually think that does represent value for money, Jim. I really do. I've got to be honest. I, I think, I don't think you would get much better for the money. That's that, that's my thing. And I think Celtic should snap up both of those deals. I think I think Carter Vickers has been a revelation since he came. I really do. I, I get the dominant centre-half and he could chip in with more goals. I get that, but he is playing for the team that have conceded the least amount of goals in the league, isn't he? So, mm-hmm. first and foremost, I want him to be a defender. If he can score goals, bonus. But I think £12.5 for a pair is outstanding value for money. And if I'm Celtic, I understand why they'd be willing to push those deals through. And also, the players are really, really happy at this minute in time they look happy they're playing very good football and they're playing in a team that's successful might enjoy it you know you go out and try and sign another defender then you're going to have to simulate them into that squad and stuff I just think there's pros and cons I'm not negating anything that you've said I, I, I take on board what you've said but I think at this moment in time that Celtic would be well well intended to try and get those deals over the line with those two players I think they could keep them happy. I think they they both realise that Celtic are on the could be on the cusp of something special with Ange. Yeah, and it's like every position, as you said, Jim. Could you get a better? Yeah, you probably could. But you want to build a team, a winning team, a successful team with a winning mentality. And these guys have been part of that, winning the League Cup. And I just think they want to you know, keep continuing on this kind of magic carpet ride that Ange is taking them on and taking Celtic on and the supporters and that. I just think that for twelve and a half million for those two, to me that would make great business sense because the two of them would have resale value big time if you're looking further down the line. So I would uh, I would be really chuffed if Celtic concluded those deals in January or even if they waited till the summer and they both signed, I would be happy with that. And there's no immediate rush because I've got the options to buy, but I would I would be looking at maybe seeing what the guys' thoughts were. On committing in January, uh, because I think I think it I think it would push the team as well in terms of mm-hmm. just, uh, morale. I think uh, there's real momentum being built here at Celtic, and I think if those two came in permanently, then it would be another resurge. Well, I think he's one of the best players. Don't get me wrong. I'm just, I'm just you know I think that that from from a kind of fans' point of view, we see him every week. He's really good by him, and I think if you're a Michael Nicholson or whoever's doing the scouting. Well, for the club just now, if there's a, uh, a Norwegian centre half who's played 30 games for Norway, who's six foot four, and we get him for nothing, you know, does that represent better value for money? That, that's all I'm saying. And I think it's, it's kind of having that kind of knowledge, and I think that's where we've maybe fallen <coughs> down with, with our scouting in the past. But that we've the, jumped in and things. So if you take something like Salt last year, for example, well, we're never going to sign him because he was rubbish. <laughs> you know, no disrespect, Laura. <laughs> He was rubbish. Like, the, the, the knowledge <laughs> like, of our scout, scouting gym has brought us to Carter Vickers. 
So oh, I, 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 I don't we've used, totally we've get that. Knowledge of our scouting, and we've identified Carter Vickers. So, totally you know, get, totally, totally get that. But, but, but one assumes we've got a database of all the players in the yeah. world out yeah, there, and whose contracts are coming to an end, and how much it might cost to pay them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's that, 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 that's for me not about money. It's more about value for money. And then looking around and thinking, well, maybe they I think Carter Vickers has been one of our best players this season. And if you sign him for a couple of million, I'd sign him. I'm looking at this with my accountants at home and thinking, money's going to tight. And I think money is tight. I think no, we, we can, you know, we just spend, 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 spend. You know, if we get a decent amount of money for a Yeti and Barkas, you want to reinvest that in Carter Vickers, that's the kind of games I'm kind of playing in my head that we do this kind of stuff. We don't know the numbers behind the scenes. And that's why I was given the question about if you design one, who would you sign? Because that kind of teases some things out, I think. Carter Vickers has been great. If we sign him for six million, I'll be delighted if we sign him. I'm playing devil's advocate here a wee bit just by saying, well, no, you know, who are they? Because, you, because what you then do as football fans, you then look around and you see you can get John Suter for nothing. Yeah. Discuss John Suter for nothing and pretty low wages or £6 million for Carter Vickers and big wages. So where's your balance in that there? Maybe there's somebody out there who's who's better than Suter that costs a million. You know what I mean? So no, yeah. I, I get that. Good debate. That's what it's about. Oh, yeah, debate. Of, course. of course. Yeah, we're not going to fall out with it. No, no yet. No yet. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll bring this particular part of the show to a close by just briefly stating I would go for Jota as well, but that's just the... The child in me that loves a, a trickery kind of winger player. Okay, right here we go. Barkas or a Yeti? A boring. <laughs> Who would you keep, Barkas or a Yeti? This is today's game. Right? Job, job lot, Jim. Job lot. Job lot. I tell you something though, we're, we're, not get, we're, we're not getting much more agreement in the comments. I'm just going to read out two comments to you that just uh, sort of sum up the situation Celtic fans are in just now. So Kookaburra on YouTube has said. The excitement with the three Japanese boys is because of Kyogo. We need to be patient if they don't hit the ground running like Kyogo. And I think that's a fair point. But that's followed up not long after by Narcotect, who says this squad will peak at the end of the season, firing in all cylinders, and Ange will have his eye on the Conference League title. So we're, you know, two ends of a spectrum there, both of which are fair, I think. But um, it'll, it'll... remain to be seen let's move on to a much less contentious topic mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Which is Lee Griffiths. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Tony... I'll come to you first on this. James McPake was quoted, um, I, I don't have the source in front of me, but he was quoted uh, as saying that conversations are ongoing between Dundee and Celtic about potentially uh, returning Lee Griffiths during the transfer window, cutting short uh, what has ultimately been a very unsuccessful loan spell with Dundee. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, he, he left Celtic under a, a bit of a cloud, which uh, I'm not wanting to go into on, on the show today because I think, you know, it's not a conversation for a football show, quite frankly. But uh, keeping it to, to football and keeping it to, to Lee Griffiths as a player, um, what does this potential return to Celtic show you about his ongoing situation in Scottish football and, and you know what would you say are the kind of outcomes that you could draw from it what's the action you think Celtic should take we spoke in the group chat didn't we and I think Jim nailed it with a phrase he used yesterday's many said but the mm-hmm. likes of Sorrell and Griffiths and Henderson I don't think you can put it any better than that you know you can all the who had the circus surrounding Lee Griffiths? I think, I think the Celtic supporters' uh, goodwill has evaporated towards him. I think lots of people's patience has finally snapped with him, and he is one of these players who you just wish somebody could get could have gotten through to him because there's a footballer in there. He can score goals as he's proven in the past, and I'm talking about his football ability. But I think it's time. I think Celtic are going in a completely different and opposite direction. And Lee Griffiths just doesn't feature in that. I think Ange knows it. And I think, as James McPake has also found out, to his, uh, not cost, but, you know, Dundee took a chance on him when a lot of people wouldn't. And they've realised, you know, the penny's just no drop now. I think, And I think also that Lee maybe needs some help in terms of issues out with football and hopefully he can get that and he can maybe resurrect his career somewhere and get back to what he does best which is scoring goals but I don't think that'll be at Celtic because the direction that Celtic are heading in I think Lee Griffiths is now in that slipstream and I, I, I don't think Ange will be you know talk about Jim saying earlier about being ruthless I don't think Ange will give a second glance or not be ruthless in, in this matter. You know, I just think Griffith's time has came and gone at Celtic, sadly. Because mm-hmm. he's still, when you still look at him, he's still one of the, the best goal scorers the club has had in many a year. But uh, just off the field, he just, for some reason, he just couldn't get his his head in the game off the field, sadly. Jim, um there was a lot of conversation around Lee Griffiths, uh, people on this podcast or on other podcasts that I've listened to um, would often talk about, you know, on his day, Lee Griffiths is a great player. If he gets himself sorted, he's a great player. Does does the failure of the move to Dundee put paid to that conversation for you? Is, is, his, is his time in Scottish football coming to an end now or do you think there's still a chance for him? if not at Celtic, perhaps elsewhere, to, to resurrect what's left of his career? I think, unfortunately, from a Celtic point of view, he is yesterday's man. Hmm. Definitely yesterday's man. I don't think uh, I don't think Ange would have let him go to Dundee if he thought he could have done a job for us. Yeah. And I know hmm. you've said, Laura, that you know you don't want to talk about the issues that maybe led to that. But uh, I think, as I said, if, if Ange would have... Because at that point in time, we had, we, had, we had very few bodies in, in the team. So we needed players. Mm. And I think, I think the thing you were talking about, I think he was found not guilty of whatever he was meant to have done. I think he was tried by Twitter again, the social media stuff. So I didn't want him. So if he comes by, I can't see Ange changing his mind. 
I think, I mean, once upon a time, I was a huge fan of Lee Griffiths. I think 99% of Celtic fans were huge fans. I think this time last year, maybe went 50-50. I think he divided the support. And I think after the start of this season, I think the vast majority are now saying, nah, maybe your time is over. But on his day, best finish in Scotland, easily. Easily the best finish in Scotland, in my humble opinion. Uh, Give him a chance to score a goal. Put him in a good team with good players and give him the service. He'll score goals all day. And we have discussed him on the podcast over the last year and a half, however long this has been going for. And what happened last season is when Celtic needed goals, they called for Lee Griffiths. Mm. The cup final, he was the guy that they called on buying goal. He takes the first penalty in the cup final. He came on for Scotland in that qualifier with a few minutes to go of extra time to take the first penalty kick. You know, that shows how good he is, how mentally tough he is. Then again, you look, well, if he's that mentally tough on the field. Why is he so poor mentally off the field? You know, because he doesn't act like a footballer should in terms of his physical diet, in terms of some of his mental issues that he has in doing certain things. I agree with Tony. I think he needs a bit of help. But you know what? It's not a fool I know anything about. But uh, sticking strictly to the football stuff, if Ange had wanted him, he wouldn't have went to Dundee in the first place. Uh, I think Ange is quite ruthless. I think Ange won't want anyone who's disruptive. Hmm. Uh, and as Tony alluded to, I think I don't think he would fit in Ange's system anyway. So even if you dis- even if you disregard all that stuff, if he doesn't fit into the system, yeah. you know, and it's night and day now. I mean, if you compare somebody like Kyogo, who really humble guy, works really hard for the team, uh, lovely, lovely, likeable wee guy, lovely, and then he's playing league Griffiths, who's, who's kind of the opposite of that. You know, so you wonder how that would fuse together. You know, before you know it, Lee's got him out for a pint in the West End. <laughs> <laughs> him, and, him, him and Kyogo and Declan would be <laughs> doing the West End. Kebabs. So, kebabs. So, so from, a, from, from an Ange point of view, he's, running, he's trying to run a, kind of tight ship and there he wants guys who are going to train hard work hard and when they're not involved in the football don't get involved in any nonsense off the part and I don't think you, on the evidence of what we've seen so far you can trust Lee not to get involved in nonsense off the part but as he showed me that, that, uh, that goal last week or two weeks or whatever it was mm-hmm. against uh, Aberdeen was it Aberdeen, yeah. stunning so that's what he's capable of you know he's, mm. he's perfectly capable of that but Somebody needs to put his arm around his shoulder and try and get him back on track. So hopefully there's some sort of future for him. But I think from a Celtic point of view, he's certainly just a his man. I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I think like like we've said before. I mean, I I was I was of a mind that even before some of the off the field controversies came to light, that he was, he was potentially yesterday's man even before that, and that just kind of put paid to things. I don't think Ange is the type of man to forget and he certainly won't forget the position that he was put in when he first came into to Celtic Football Club having to deal with matters other than football. So I think um, also Lord, things 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 change very quickly because just, just before lockdown, that was the memory we all had, that game against the Mirren. Mm. He scores the hat trick, he's totally on fire. Him and Eddie scores his hat trick, he gets the ball, he's see fingers up. That, that that's that's not that long ago he was capable of that. And then things have just turned very, very quickly. So, and also the fact that because of the pandemic, who knows that maybe this this is hitting him a bit harder than with other people? You know, who knows? Anyway, so. Mm. 
Yeah, I think I think that's a fair comment. I don't think we can we can sit in judgment of anybody throughout the pandemic and how it might have affected them. Uh, talking of yesterday's men, Tony, um, as we see here, Shaw and Sorrow are potentially going to follow follow um follow Henderson out the door. Shaw has had very little time to make an impact. Wasn't really an Ange signing. Had signed for the club beforehand, so I think it's clear why he might be on his way out the door but Sorrow um, is, is a strange one in some ways he's he's potentially ironically uh, getting the band back together with Patrick Clamalla and Lewis Morgan at Red Bull uh, Red Bull uh, New York which uh, as, as somebody said in the chat I don't know what kind of things we are showing them to suggest that they're building a good team but who knows um, but, but looking at Sorrow as you touched on him before Took a while to get into the Celtic team, freshened things up when he did come in at the time when we needed a lift, but it's all kind of gone asunder, as, as you like to say. Um, what about his time at Celtic has gone so wrong, do you think? Is it just a case of that he doesn't fit? Uh, is his ability not up to scratch? Where do you think he's gone wrong? I go back to what Jim said earlier. When you play for Celtic first team, you've clearly got ability, right? Mm. You know? So to use words like dud and all that, it's just disparaging towards him, it's disrespectful. But I think when Sorrow came in, we were looking for something. You know, we were looking for Scott Brown air apparent, and he slammed into a couple of tackles and he did a couple of good things, scored a good goal against Dundee United, and that was it. The label was pinned on him, he Scott Brown's air apparent. You know, so people could, you know, he, he could do no wrong. And all of a sudden, people started to actually watch him in depth and pick up on deficiencies in his game and it wasn't that he was he, he, he just wasn't conforming to any system, he seemed to be getting out there and doing his own thing and he was just reckless and he was clattering into people and you know and you thought okay he's young, he's raw but he did it. He did that on a consistent basis which led you to believe that I don't think players, I would never label the fact that they don't listen to managers and mm. their instructions but some players are renegades and loose cannon. <coughs> and he was proving himself to be too much of a loose cannon because he was copying early bookings and then putting himself and the team in, in jeopardy, you know, and managers were having to take him off or sub him or, or he was walking that tightrope and you were thinking, he's just a missed time tackle away from being from sitting in the stands along beside us. You know, and you just can't have players like that who just play their own game. And as I say, I don't accuse him of not listening, but... You say to yourself, what are you doing? What what part are you playing in this team or what part of the system are you actually falling into here? And I don't know, he, he just for as for as much as he star Sean Brownley for a wee while, it quickly fizzled out. And again, what Jim said at the start, I don't think the loss sorrow the loss of sorrow is it is great. I, I don't see him fitting into a Celtic team under Ange. And Ange mm. clearly doesn't fancy him because he's had umpteen time chances to play him and he hasn't given him that opportunity, has he? And I think he, he played him in Betis, didn't he? Away in Spain. Yeah. And two goal week. And Sorrow was kind of running about like a headless chicken, picked up an early book and, you know, didn't <clears throat> a man for one of the goals. You know, so these are big games. These are the games that Ange says Celtic want to test themselves. And you've got a player there who just, I don't know what he did that night, but he wasn't fitting into Andy's system. And I think uh, I think Ange took that on board. I don't think he's featured a lot since, if at all. 
And uh, if Celtic can get any kind of money for Sorrell and ship him off to New York Red Bulls, then great. I won't lose any sleep over it. As I say, I, I just think the club under Andy is heading in a totally different direction uh, than, than what these players can offer. I think that's I think that's fair. Um, Jim, John Sweeney on, uh, I don't know if it's that John Sweeney, but uh, on uh, YouTube has commented um, very much in line with what Tony's saying, that Soros basically just too rash in the tackle, always likely to pick up a booking before half-time and that you can't really afford that. Is that what it comes down to for Soro with you, or, or is there more to it than that? Is the reason that he can't get into the team? I think he showed when he first came in, he's okay. He's, he's, I think he's, he's certainly got the potential to do well. I think he's got some rough edges, and if he can if he can sort these rough edges, then he'd be quite a good player. But I think a couple of things. One is, every game's a must-win game mm. for Celtic. So, so it's not a matter of being a 7 or 8 out of 10. You have to be that every single game. And I don't think you can depend on him to be a 7 or 8 out of 10 out every single game. Because a bit headstrong, he is a bit impulsive. He does lack a bit of discipline. Probably that's perfect. But, you know, it's, it's kind of... Those are things that you can't depend on if you're a manager. You need to know that you're going to go out there and put in that 7 or 8 out of 10 performance. And if he's saying, I'm not very sure if he's going to do this or not. And this is a huge game. And I can't depend on him. And I'm pretty sure Ange, because the thing about Ange, for me, that I was thinking this other day, I was chatting to somebody about this. I said, Ange to me is a bit like kind of uh, the analogy I would use is a bit of an iceberg that we only see the top of the iceberg, the bit that sticks out the water. What team does he play and what subs does he make? And below the water, there's like every week he must be making hundreds of decisions, thousands of decisions that we don't see. So we've no idea what's happening down there. You know, so why is Wilson good this year? That's because Ange must have taken the time to make all these decisions for him, you know. So Sorrow, one imagines that Ange is taking Sorrow aside all season and said, look, rough age, rough age, rough age, stop, 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 stop. Plays him the next game and doesn't do it. Hmm. So I think you've got only so many chances of doing that because I'm assuming on the evidence of what I've seen so far, I think Ange is putting that amount of time and effort into every individual player. And at some point, he'll make a decision to say that, you know, does he, does he, does he make it above the line or below the line? You and Henderson, you, you're, you're out. You're below. Sorrow, I think you're below the line as well. So because of the lack of game time he's been getting, because of his erratic performances, because he's not been a 7 out of 8 out of 10, I think he's, he's, he's not going to make that cut. And for me, it's just that simple. Because there's better players there. You look at all the midfielders we have, or the three midfielders that Ange likes, McGregor, Tumbo and Rogic. Mm-hmm. Every one of them is a disciplinarian, aren't they? Mm-hmm. They don't go flying into tackles. They don't pick up needless bookings. Mm-hmm. No, they, they, they conform with the strategy and the plan. They're trusting the process. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no there's no real erratic forum in any of them, is there? No. no. You know, and, and, and they are, as Jim says, seven, eight, nines out of ten every week. Reliable, trustworthy, dependable. When you have guys like Soro who are not dependable and he's, he's Jim says it's too much of a liability. You can't have a liability in your in your engine room. And that's also, why also sorry, sorry, on you. No, I was going to say, I thought he's also quite a small guy as well. We're quite a small team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so a bit more physicality in them. So, so if, if he'd had, if he'd, if he'd, had, <laughs> we'll do it again. If he'd a choice between Wanyama and Soro, he would go for Wanyama because he's bigger physically, you know, mentally, I think he's better as well, more consistent. Well, he was back then. I don't, 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 
So it's like now, but, but in terms of the type of player you would want, I'd want a more kind of Wanyama type player, I think, than a, than a, than a, than a Soro. And Wanyama was quite disappointed in terms of what he did. So I don't think Soro makes the Ange line. That's my new phrase. He doesn't make the Ange line. So he has to go. And, and Scott Brown wasn't the tallest, but... And you could, physicality, but he did yeah, physicality. And he had leadership qualities. Yeah, yeah. You know, he could drive the team on. He was a beating heart of that team. Mm-hmm. I just didn't see that those kind of strengths in Soro either. You know, he could maybe put up with his lack of discipline here and there. But, yeah. you know, the, the kind of some of the parts, but sadly, no, for me. Yes, it is, man. Yeah, again. <laughs> uh, Jim, I'll come back to you on Angie's line. Um, who else is at the club that you don't think meets that line? Who who would be heading for the exit door in your book? I think a lot to do with luck, again, and getting a run in the team. And I think it's harsh to maybe judge. I mean, Soros had loads of chances to so mm. make a judgment on that. I don't want to get into another Mikey Johnson debate with Tony, but there's an interesting stat Alan Morrison put up a couple of weeks ago. And I think he said something like, uh, I don't think Mikey Johnson has played two 90 minutes back to back and, and doesn't think he's been involved in three successive games. You know, so I think you need time to judge players. Uh, if we bring in players who are better than Mikey Johnson, then Mikey Johnson only falls below the line, I think. Uh, a Yeti falls below that line. I think. How long have we got? Sorry. <laughs> I want to go. I want to go. Uh, I think Bain falls below the line. I'm not sure about Barca's because, you know, I think, again, get back to the stats. And, and the stats can say things you think, really? Is that what it says? And again, I think the stat the other day said the Barca's is no, no worse than Joe Hart in terms of the stats they were looking at. You know, so... I can, I can tell you for a fact that's what it said because I think that was said to me on a show and I was kind of like, wow. <laughs> right, so I think... Uh, I think that's what the objective data tells you. But also what the objective data doesn't tell you is the influence the player has on those around them. And that's the point I make without going back to my Abada conversation was that, yeah, he made good stats, but in terms of his impact elsewhere in the team, wasn't too clever. Joe Hart's impact in the team has been massive, even though his stats are the same as Barca's. Barca's hasn't had that influence in the team. So that's something you don't measure in the stats. And probably the, I think the stats are brilliant because they're objective. They'd maybe tell you things like that you wouldn't have realised but all they do is try and inform, I think, your own subjective view of things. So Ange will know where that line sits. So let's say it's 27 players, whatever it is. There's, there's the Ange line and who makes it. And obviously there's the, the kind of juggling of where they play in the pitch type of thing. So you can't have like rid of all your left backs, whatever. You know, so there's a bit of a balance there. And again, that's about Ange making decisions. And he'll be doing this on a daily basis. He'll be... You know, trying to wrestle with that kind of stuff. You know, who do I keep, who do I lose? I'm going to keep him. But actually, the reason I'm going to keep him is because I think there's a player there and I'm going to spend the time and the effort with that player to make sure he's a better player. So those are all the things that we don't see behind the scenes. And only Ange will know, <laughs> obviously, where the Ange line sits. So I think um, the people we've, 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 that we've had a chat about today, and I said it straight away when that WhatsApp group, those three are yesterday's men. They won't make that line. And I'm sure there's lots of others if we had another hour <laughs> taking a go over who else I, falls I, below I, the Ange line. I'm sure we Deck will know where the line is as well. Deck will know why. He'll know where the line is. He, he's above it for the record for now. Anyway. I, 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 I definitely. Ah, that's why, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> <Was it? laughs> 
there's there's like a mate line. Aye, yeah, Declan's above the mate line. Aye, like, if you're above the mate line, it's a positive mate. If you're below the the mate line, it's no mate. You are you are yesterday's mate. Tony, um, let's let's finish on a positive today. We've talked about a lot of the exits and a lot of the reasons for those exits, but obviously what we've had is three very high-profile um, entrances to the club, one still to be unveiled officially, as far as I'm aware, in, in Rio Hitati, but Yusaki Deguchi and um, Dyson Maida, who... I feel sorry for because his first impression of Glasgow, uh, as far as Twitter pictures are concerned, seems to have been a walk down Sucky Hall Street on uh, Hogmanay, which I wouldn't wish on anybody. <laughs> but um, but apart from what we've talked about for the positive light in which it paints the club for doing the business um, as quickly as they did, what, what else do you think it brings to us in terms of those players? What, what are you looking forward to seeing from them? I'm just looking forward to seeing how they fit into Angie's system. Mm. Angie's targeted these three players for a reason. These guys have been linked with the club since August, September, since Angie came in. Mm. Now the three of them are here. I never ever thought that Celtic would get all three. I thought they might get one or two maximum. But to bring all three in in the same day, that shows you how forceful Angie was mm. in those months leading up to hugging me. I want these three players. <clears throat> and, and even speaking to the Japanese journalist Dan Alotsu and Vince Rugari who said that uh, Idaguchi was the surprise element and all of that but they're saying he's been bought for a reason because he'll fit into Angie's system now this is where I see a, I want to see my manager at work and an operation at large with the bigger picture that right okay he's not bringing them halfway across the world to sit on the bench mm. and they might not all hit the ground running like Kyogo but he sees them fitting into a Celtic team, which, if he's laser-focused, is becoming more ruthless and ruthless as, as time goes on, and he's bringing in guys to fit into a system. People talk about the you know, the bonus of uh, shirt sales and all that, and merchandising and all that. I'm just not caring about that. He brought in three really good footballers in his mind who can do a job for Celtic. That's, that's what concerns me. Now I want to see how they fit in where they fit in, we don't know they've all got favoured positions, but people are starting to speculate about maybe Hitati playing that inverted fullback role on the left. You know, either Gucci being in the middle at the expense of possibly Turnbull or whatever. I don't know. I'll leave that to the manager, Maida, somewhere up front. We'll take Majota left and right, depending on uh, how he sees it. But it's just exciting, isn't it? You're just bursting mm. to see them play. Mm-hmm. It was such a real kind of burst of positivity on Hugman when you saw all three coming in. And the first thought was, I wonder what they like as players. And people can tell you all you want. You can watch the show reels and you can make up your mind and think they're a good player. You'll make up your own mind when you see them on the pitch. But if you're trusting the manager, then the board have clearly trusted the manager, trusted his judgment with Kyogo. I'm trusting his judgment with these three players as well, and I don't think it will be long before all three make an impact. Hoping so. Um, Jim, to, to pick up on what Tony said there, um, you know, lots of people talk about the, the transfer window in which we signed, um, uh, forgive me if I'm getting this wrong, but I think it was Sorrow, Ajeti, Turnbull, there was a, a Barcast was another one, there was a, a transfer window, I think, uh, summer before last, um, 
time is merging into one, uh, where we signed all these players and everybody was very excited about the prospect. And, and, you know, we know what's happened with a lot of those players. They've turned out not to be great signings. Do you see this as slightly different? Do you trust that because, as Tony says, the, the, the deliberate nature in which he's made those signings, does that give you more faith that they are going to work? I think every signing is a risk. Mm. You don't know. Even the, the ones you look at and you think, well, that's going to work out. You know, and if you back to last season, Shane Duffy, I mean, everyone has said that's that's exactly who we need. He'll be great. 80 caps for Ireland, da-da-da-da. And for a number of reasons, it didn't work out particularly well. You know, but these, that's that's how things work out. I think there's a... I think maybe we've gone a wee bit over the top with this one because the kind of theory is Kyogo's brilliant and he's Japanese. These guys are Japanese. Ipso facto, these guys are brilliant. When in fact the reality literally be that one of them's brilliant and one of them's good and one of them's kind of so-so. It's how things might work out depending on the circumstances. You know, are they first team ready? Don't know. Will they play every week? Don't know. Will they get a wee bit of luck? Don't know. So I think it's great, as I said at the start of the podcast, that we brought the three guys in so quickly. The guys that Andrew obviously won't, so they're definitely Andrew's sign-ins. If they all play in the first team uh, at the same time, that'd be brilliant because he obviously has confidence in the three of them. Uh, but as I said, like any 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 signing you make, it's a risk. How will they take to playing this type of football? You know, and it's maybe different if you're a defender or a midfield player. Will you get on with, the, with, your, with, your, with your teammates? How will you find the language barrier? Daddy, there. Kyogo has been phenomenal. You know, so he set the bar really, really high. And I think it's a bit much to expect <laughs> these three guys are going to come in and and, 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 hit, and hit that line, you know, straight mm. away. So I think we have to give them a bit of time uh, to settle in. Hopefully, as I said, they are first team ready. Hopefully, they hit the ground running. Hopefully, they score the goals they're meant to score. I'm not going to try and say their names because I'm still struggling with Postacoglu. Uh, but hopefully, they do hit the ground running and the three are good signings. And hopefully, we're not yet finished in this window, whether it's Carter Vickers or Yota or someone else because there are parts of the team I think need to be strengthened I don't think these three guys are addressing those particular parts of the of the team uh, but, but certainly it's, it's, it's dead exciting them having, having them coming in and I think it's been mentioned earlier this week on the podcast we look back at other iconic football uh, things like the the three Dutch guys come to AC Milan and all this kind of, and then you know how excited the fans got by that so good to be excited but I think a wee bit of kind of caution that you know, maybe their expectations are a wee bit high. But uh, hopefully they come in, hit the ground running, win the first couple of games and we take things from there. Because uh, a lot depends on this game in the 2nd of February. You know, I think our season hinges on that. So and hopefully, because we're down to the, bo- the sort of bare bones there. Uh, and uh, these guys, we need the reinforcements, they're in. And hopefully we get another couple in before next week so hey-ho. I have to say I had a sharp intake of breath there when you mentioned the 2nd of February and I've not to my knowledge had Covid you know so we'll, we'll see how that goes um, Tony an easy way around the language barrier a couple more players and we'll just end up having to get Callum McGregor and Joe Hart to learn Japanese and we'll be sorted mm-hmm. um, but uh, Jim raises an interesting point there with the, with the point about you know Kyogo being such a massive factor in, uh, you know, our opinion of these other players coming in. Now, there, are, there is a more simplistic view that says that we're kind of joining the dots and saying a Japanese player means another Japanese player will be good. For me, it stretches a little bit beyond that. It's more about the fact that 
the last time he was this desperate to bring a player in was Kyogo, and look at the success that that's been. He's desperate to bring these players in, obviously, so your your brain goes to, well, there must be a reason for that. Do you think that's fair? Hey, you're trusting the manager's judgment here, implicitly. We don't know anything about these players. As I say, you can watch the showreels and you can make up your mind based on that. You know, But anybody can look good in a showreel. You will find out how good they are once they take to the to the stage, take to the, the pitch, you know, and but if you're going to trust the manager based on Kyogo, then he's clearly identified that those areas in our team need strengthened. Mm. And he's brought in three of the best from that league, in his opinion. So you're all in on the manager now. And at this moment in time, I don't think anybody would doubt his judgment. But you would form your own opinion when you see them in the flesh. And it might take them a wee while to get up to speed and get settled. But what what you do, or what you think, you know, is that you kind of think the manager knows what he's talking about and knows a player when he sees one. Mm. So, yeah, well, we're, 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 as I say, everybody's invested in the manager now and, and we're excited to have these guys. But that excitement will soon dwindle if they're rotten. You know what I, mean? <laughs> I think that's the point. I, 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 you know, I think that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's the point. In terms of if Kyogo had been had been poor, yeah, the fans said, don't go near the Japanese market because it's rubbish. Exactly. Oh, I, yeah. So, so we're, we're, we're hanging a hat on one player. Yeah, we're hanging a hat on the manager's judgment of these players coming from that league. So, you know, but but equally so, yeah, he could have came and 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 not played well. For a number of reasons, like a kind of Shane Duffy, yeah. you know. So, so do you then tar the whole of Japan, Japanese football with the fact that Kyogo's not very good? But and I'm, that's I'm the sure. thing that I'm basically yeah. that going over the top of it, saying oh. Kyogo great, Japanese great. These guys are Japanese. We want to watch here. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, can I die? We will see how it goes. We'll, uh, the jury, actually, the jury's out. But you know, uh, we're trusting the manager on this one, big time. It's want, exciting. It's exciting. Uh, yes, he wanted them. He got them. So let's see yep. what they got. Let's let's wait and see what happens indeed. I think I can say for all three of us sitting here and everybody watching and thank you to everybody for watching today. We're all itching for the football to get back because I think we're all missing it already. So uh, with that said, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, everybody, for watching. This has been A Celtic State of Mind and we'll see you again very soon. Hey, Laura. Yes. phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details It's the Marketer's Report. 
This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.